Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here, and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later on, we're going to be talking with Christina Sikiotis, the project manager of Create and Innovate at Hunter TAFE, and we'll have a look at some of the things that have been happening with the uh, Hunter and, Newco- uh, and Central Coast uh, Innovation Festival and some of the things that are left, left to come up there. We're also talking with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre about building a team culture. But right now we're going to have a chat with Tony Vidray from Anderson Vidray Accountants about uh, some important tax changes. Good afternoon, Tony. Hello, Gillian. How are you? I'm very well. It's different to be on the other end of the phone, off uh, it, the it, microphone. Yeah it, it, yeah, it seems like I was only there yesterday. Hang on a minute. I was there yesterday. Yeah, last there last night. <laughs> I was. I was. Yeah. And I just I'm reveling in the uh, in the irony of having a song like Fun 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 coming on just before talking about tax. Especially, yes, especially some of the issues we're going to talk about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you've got your accountant hat on now, and, and I understand uh, that one of the changes that came about in the budget was was changes to the education offset. Yeah, this was a this was a huge change, and this this government gets accused of getting a lot wrong, but um, I think they got this one absolutely spot on. They replaced um, what was called an education offset, which had a few problems of its own, with just handing the money out to the families um, when they need it. Now, the problems that they had under the previous system with the offset was it made an assumption that people paid tax in the first place, um, because unless you pay tax, you don't actually get the benefit of an mm. offset. And there are quite a lot of people who who are on pensions and um, who are on support payments who don't pay tax. So that, they didn't get the benefit of this. But what they also, um, I think they got wrong initially, was that they set the criteria way too tight for um, what actually was defined as an education um, expense. You know, things like um, you know, school fees weren't included. Um, uniforms weren't included. They've finally been included for this year. But, you know, they're, they're, and, and people weren't good at keeping receipts. And um, the irony that I found a, a year after they introduced this, the government actually sent a note out to a lot of accountants saying, look, you know, we're not getting very many education tax offset claims um, here. Make sure that you're claiming them. Well, they were difficult um, to claim in the first place. So I think mm. getting rid of that whole system which didn't really work and handing and handing that money the 410 and the 820 dollars in a full year to me is a lot better because families are going to spend that money anyway they're going to spend it on shoes and sending kids on excursions and all those sort of things so i think they they got this one uh, they got this one spot on and of course the change to the 18,000 threshold is going to make a change to how many people pay tax to isn't it well, that's right. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, by increasing increasing that um, that tax free threshold, and it's going to go to nineteen thousand um, next year. It means that fewer and fewer um, people are going to have to lodge returns, and so again, exactly that. Not as many people are going to be able to take advantage of of offsets. So, um, yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction. So now, while we're talking about refunds, I understand the ATO's uh, computer is having a few challenges. Yeah, they've been having a future. This is a, the new supercomputer. It's been around for a couple of years now, and it's created havoc. It really has. Um, but just to, let's go back a couple of steps just to give, give a bit of background. The tax office and the government were being hit um, in the early weeks of July for quite a few years with a lot of fraudulent claims. A lot of fraudulent tax um, returns were being lodged um, and refunds being issued um, to in circumstances where they, they just um, shouldn't have been. And if we go back even further, we, you know, people will remember we used to get group certificates, they're now mm. called payment summaries, and they used to be printed on a, you know, a yellowy or, or, or an orange form 
all of that's now been replaced by pretty much everyone printing them on laser printers. Now, anyone with a little bit of ingenuity uh, and a lot of fraudulent people were changing the figures on those oh. payment summaries. And if they were lodging returns in the first weeks of July, they're actually getting inflated refunds. And by the time the tax office tweaked to it, it was too late. And in a lot of cases, um, the money went overseas. People, you know, weren't around. So they, they invested and, and it was upwards of about $800 million on this new computer system that um, they've set the, the parameters so tight that they are picking out these, um, these fraudulent claims. And it has been successful. However, a lot of innocent people are getting trawled mm. and getting caught up in all of these sort of things as well. So the slightest little um, thing that they detect on a return, you may um, say to your employer, look, you know, take out an extra $100 a week in tax because I want to have, um, you know, a nice $5,000 refund at the end of the year and that's my you know, way of forced savings. Yes. If you do that that computer will pick up on the fact that the PAYG that's been withheld, pay-as-you-go tax that's been withheld, is too high, and they'll actually pull that out and not process that because they think it's a fraudulent claim. So mm. there's been, it's created absolute havoc. Um, at the peak of the, of the, um, of the fast, my favourite story was when they finally issued 154,000 refunds but they forgot to attach the refund checks. <laughs> they sent it out. So it's created a lot of a lot of headache and a lot of phone calls and follow ups and it seems to go once you get picked out, it seems to go into a black hole. Mm. And no matter how many phone calls are made, whether it's uh, you know, the accountant or the or the uh, the client who rings up, they keep putting up these um, roadblocks saying that, no, nah, we, we can't answer your request within... Um, uh, you've got to wait 28 days. They've got a 28-day yes. turnaround time for these. And, and some people are desperate for their mm. money. You know, to, to them, it's, um, it's for savings. And if you go back a couple of years, these refunds were being issued within five to ten days. And mm. now we're waiting... You know, I've heard some stories where it's taking upwards of um, six months to process um, some of these refunds. So, yeah, it's, it's, creating a, it's creating a lot of havoc. And one thing that happened recently to this poor 18-year-old kid who lodged his very first tax return uh, for the year ended uh, June 11. He then got hit with a fine for not lodging June 10, June 09, <laughs> June 08 <laughs> and June 07. He's a school kid. So these things get fixed, you know, yeah. but it takes time and this poor kid got a fine in the mail for $2,500 for non-lodgement of returns whilst he was in year sure. 10. <laughs> So it's 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 creating a, a lot of uh, a lot of angst, a lot of headaches. Well, while we're talking about savings, I understand there's some ch changes to the superannuation uh, uh, limits. Yes, yeah, this is the, the superannuation industry is not happy um, about this at all, and, and I guess people who are trying to save for their retirement are not happy as well. One of the things that was supposed to come in from the first of July. Um, was that the the limit that you could put into superannuation currently for for those over fifty is fifty thousand dollars? Now that was going to drop to twenty five thousand, but they had this exception that if you were over fifty and you had less than five hundred thousand in super, you could still put in five hundred uh, fifty thousand dollars in the super. That has now gone. So the rules now, as they stand, from the first of July. Everyone, regardless of age, you can only put in $25,000 into super. So we're talking salary sacrifice, or if you're self-employed, you can actually physically put that in. Now, I would not want to work um, in the payroll department of a large company between now and 30 June because the number of people that have to get their act together 
and change all of their salary sacrifice arrangements, you're going to have to drop it from, you know, if you're currently salary sacrificing, say, 50000 or if just over twenty five, you have to drop it to twenty five. Otherwise, you're going to be paying um, what's called excess contributions tax, and that becomes quite expensive as well. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing quite a few of those come across our desk where people even inadvertently are, uh, are paying over those limits and, and sometimes it's a timing issue as well where the employers have sent contributions away a few days late so it goes into the, into the next financial year. Um, if, it's, if it goes over that limit, they're, they're being quite ruthless in, uh, in issuing these, uh, these excess contributions tax. So you've really got to, if you're salary sacrificing at the moment, you've got about six weeks to, uh, to get in there to your payroll department and, and fill in the forms and change it to uh, no more than 25000 well, great. Well, thanks for your time again, Tony. And uh, there's a few other changes coming up, so we might have a chat in a, in a few weeks' time, just before the 1st of July. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. See ya. Tony Vidray there from Anderson Vidray Accountants, helping us to look at some of those little changes that are happening. And, of course, uh, only six weeks to the 1st of July. We need to make sure we've got ourselves covered. And it's 23 minutes past one. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. Time to have a chat with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre. Good afternoon, Brett. Yeah, hi, Julian. Thanks once again for joining us. Uh, Puppy love fit in with building a team culture? Uh, What is team culture? Well, I guess a team culture is, is about how teams operate and how they function as a group of individuals and whether they are actually a team or just a group of individuals, uh, what's their combined values and uh, how, do they, how do they go about working together. And when we see a, a positive uh, team culture, we see a shared vision, uh, strong uh, values uh, that are shared by each of the members in the team, a commitment to actually working together uh, as a team. Uh, we see strong communication. They're very inclusive and very caring, and there's that strong sense of uh, camaraderie. Uh, there's a strong focus on achieving some goals uh, and uh, yeah, doing the best they can, uh, excelling at what they do. And uh, becomes a, and there's also a very constructive approach to resolving conflict within the within the team. So. It's the difference between having a group of individuals and having uh, a group of people who actually work together uh, and to achieve you know, some very good uh, outcomes. And, and the difference is it becomes quite obvious when you see it. So, so obviously we're talking about a positive culture because all teams have a culture of one sort or another. How would I go about developing this positive culture? Well, it comes back to the first starting point is the actual culture of the business itself. You can't expect a team to have a positive culture in itself if there's not a positive culture in the business itself. So you've got to look at the, the business as a whole uh, and what frameworks you set up for that uh, for the individuals in that business. And when you've got a very positive culture in the business, then it should, it should be there uh, in the team itself. You need to look at the team composition, and it goes back to the recruitment and selection stage. That uh, that's very critical to select the right people to go into the team to start with, and you need to be looking at the individual attributes of those team members and whether they are actually individuals or actually want to be a part of a team and how they see themselves in that environment. Leadership is very important. You need to have very strong and positive. Uh, Leadership that's uh, inclusive and consultative, um, a leader of the team who actually walks the talk uh, and who encourages very strong communication and shares the vision, the purpose, and the focus and the goals of the of the group. Um, the individuals have to have that 
uh, capacity to take personal responsibility and for their own effort. There's got to be consistency in that effort, and, and again, they've got to be wanting to communicate. And, and then the end of the day, you've got to be able to recognise that and reward that as a business owner. When you see a great team working well, when you've developed all that, um, put all that effort in, then you want to hang on to that. So you do that by acknowledging the group and, and rewarding them for uh, for what they're doing. And of course, the cultures do keep changing. With if a leader changes or team members change, some of the culture will change with that, won't it? Yeah, it will actually. Yeah, it's always there's always some some adjustments to be made, and and the I guess the sign of a good team uh, will be able to make that that adjustment because they're actually in an environment that that is supportive of those adjustments, and mm. good teams deal with those those circumstances. And when there is conflict, they provide uh, an opportunity for some positive resolutions to that. And uh, if it doesn't work, then you have to have a strong leadership to say, well, it's not working with this membership. We need to change it around. Let's look at another approach, and uh, mm. that becomes a not a blame situation, not a blame culture, but but a culture that just recognises that this is not working. Let's find a let's, let's find another it. way that might work. Yeah. So, so what are some of the benefits of uh, of a positive team culture? Well, the results. I think the results speak for themselves when you've got that. Uh, so, a better service, uh, happy customers, uh, should lead to sort of increased sales, some more profitability, probably uh, less complaints. Uh, the business should thrive, uh, and you should have a stable workforce. You've probably got a uh, an environment that's very contagious, that in the sense that people want to be in that environment and want to work in that environment. You have people who want to work in the teams that are, are better and more positive teams to work in. Hope that will lead to the word getting around that you're a good employer and that people will want to come mm. and work for you. And, you know, you, generally if things are going well in the business, you can pay better. And when you pay better, you get a better quality of the employee. That should lead to better results all around. Mm. So it becomes a, a, a cyclical approach to, to moving the business forward. And uh, so you've got to start right at the very beginning and uh, develop those teams in the first place for that to happen. And, do, and it does take time. You mm. can't just snap your finger and make it happen overnight. It can take you know, a couple quite... of years to yeah, yeah a couple of years to get it right, and mm. then, as you say, it, uh, things can go wrong occasionally, and uh, it's just no matter how you deal with it and uh, keep it moving forward. Great. Well, thanks for your time again, Brett. Uh, next week we're going to have a look at the importance of your action plans. Yep. Okay. That'll be good. We'll talk to you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. Cheers. Bye. Brett Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre. The importance of building a positive team culture. Well, now it's time for our Minute on Innovation with Christina Sikiotis, the Project Manager of Create and Innovate at Hunter TAFE. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. And you've been having an exciting week at the uh, um, Hunter and Central Coast Innovation Festival, I believe. I, I have, Julian. It's been very exciting. The launch was on Friday afternoon at the Newcastle Museum and what a great venue that is. It was a who's who of politics with everyone agreeing Newcastle and the Hunter is a great region for dynamic innovative practice. There were several comments made like innovate or die and let's have fun with innovation. Um, but more importantly, there was a great display of products. The mould from the prototype refill drinking fountain that's been installed at Dixon Park was on display. The Catavolt, an electric motorbike that recharges for $1.20, was really impressive. Both were designed by students from Hunter TAFE. Um, there was also a Hunter Valley Research Foundation breakfast where there were about 250 people and the talk was around economic growth being hindered by capacity constraints in the resource sector. There's a webcast up on the Hunter Central Coast Innovation site. Uh, yesterday was the Create and Innovate workshop um, and that culminated in a web stream of a Q&A session from NBN Television. Brian McGuigan, Dr Eileen Doyle, Jeff Phillips, Helen Lee spoke on several issues. 
Brian McGuigan was adamant about focus. He said, focus, focus, focus. Make one product extremely popular. That was his theme. Jeff Phillips told the audience that you had to have a bit of a risk appetite to be an innovator, and he got a laugh when he said, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to be. Dr Eileen Doyle and Helen Lee had almost opposing views on the virtues of the three R's in the school curriculum. There was a summit on the Central Coast yesterday where there were about 200 people present, and it was centred on the implications for the NBN and new technologies on the coast. And I went to a HunterNet Innovation Conference this morning and was delighted to find that science has finally proven that gut instinct is real and it works and you should trust it. Mm. It's not over yet, Julian. There's more events coming. Check out the website. Fantastic. Well, obviously, you've had a good time there. And, and it does show that uh, innovation is live here in the Hunter and the Newcastle, isn't it? More so than we actually know, Julian. Yeah. There's yeah. more things happening than we're aware of. Well, we'll have a chat with you with some more tips on innovation next week. Okay, Julian. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Have oh, a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Christina Sigiatis there, uh, obviously excited with uh, some of the things she's learning. And, yeah, innovation is important, but uh, the evidence is there. It's here in The Hunter. And uh, one of the things that we're often reminding people about is uh, in your business, uh, maybe you should consider being online. Some statistics I've just picked up in uh, management today. Every 60 seconds online, 70 domain names are registered, 100 new LinkedIn accounts are created, 13,000 iPhone apps are downloaded, 694,455 searches are typed into Google, 695,000 Facebook statuses are updated and 168 million emails are sent and that's just in the time it's taken me to say all that. Well thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, some of those tax changes that are coming about on the 1st of July. We've spoken with Brett Gleeson about the uh, positive team culture and of course the innovation festival. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with Sonia Anderson from Anderson Law and Mediation Services about communication in mediation. We're going to have a look at the importance of an action plan with Brett Gleeson and have a minute on innovation with Christina Sikiotis. I'd love your company at the same time for business, the law and you. Until then, have a prosperous week and, as Confucius once said, a superior man is modest in his speech but exceeds in his actions.